Eddie Murphy was absolutely huge in the 80s. A comedian by trade, he moved into films in the 70s and 80s and he produced a couple of corkers. So we felt it was only right that we did an Eddie Murphy film soon. So this week we've decided to do my favourite and that is Beverly Hills Cop. A 1984 American buddy cop action comedy directed by Martin Brest, written by Daniel Petrie Jr. and starring Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley, a street smart Detroit cop who visits Beverly Hills to solve the murder of his best friend. The film was absolutely huge when it came out and it made Eddie Murphy an even bigger star than he already was. The dialogue is quick-witted, the soundtrack is absolutely amazing, but... Let's ask that question that we always do. Does it still stand up all these years later? Anyway, here's the episode. So this week's episode, we'll look specifically at Beverly Hills Cop. I don't know what memories you guys have of it, but I had this taped from TV um, on VHS, and it was on um, a long play. I think it was a long play, anyway. A long play tape, which had Beverly Hills Cop 1 and Lethal Weapon 2, both taped from TV. Um, and I thought that was a cracking combo. And then I also had another VHS, which had Beverly Hills Cop 2 and Lethal Weapon 1. I was slightly like annoyed that I didn't get the 1 and 2 Lethal Weapon on the same film or tape and the other way around for Beverly Hills Cop. But anyway, mm. that's my lasting memory of this. Beverly Hills Cop and Lethal Weapon on the, on the same tape. Brilliant. Lethal Weapon 2 was the, was the South African one with Patty Kenzo, wasn't it? Yes. Get me rigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My terrible South African accent. That wasn't too bad, actually, but I know. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know would have held up if you carried on. But... <laughs> hey, it's good for me. It's good, definitely good for me. They <laughs> just start saying brown bread. Brown bread. <laughs> I would watch this film quite a lot growing up. Um, and I'll lay my cards out now on the table. There, I love this film. I think it's a really, really good film, and, and you know, we'll go into the detail in a minute. Um, I obviously had an edited, edited for TV version, so um, it wasn't until a little bit later in life that I saw the the full, colourful version with all the language in it. But um, yeah, it, it, for me, it didn't take anything away, but it, it was still yeah. an amazing watch. What about you, Ev? Yeah, I was I was the same. Me, um, this was on my grandma's collection. Surprise, surprisingly, my grandma would take this, and it was one of the one of the brown hot plus like leather bound, um, video library cassettes that she had on. And um, yeah, Ev, can it, I it just was... interrupt you, right? You you nan, right? Or grand, sorry, whatever. Yeah. Must have had an amazing video collection. Oh, she did. Because you yeah. mentioned it a few times now. Yeah, police, police academies, um, <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop. I'm sure. I'm sure she had, she had Terminator as well. Um, I was going to say, I hope it was something different than police films. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, she had loads, and then, and like I said, they were another leather bound case you're on about. Those, those are the ones yeah. that look like books, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah but they weren't they were... leather bound; they were plastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But looked looked leather bound. Yeah, five for a pound down the local uh, local market on a Sunday. Next to the st- uh, stall selling high tech or Pan Am trainers. <laughs> yeah. And the, next, and the other side, next to the bloke who's selling lighters and Rizzler, Rizzler papers and tins for the for the tobacco. Um, yeah, I'd, I had this. Well, my grandma had this. It was an edited television version, and it's the only the only film 
I've seen where it is it has actually told you that it's edited for television. That no no other no other film which which has been edited for television I've seen where it's actually told you during the film. Whereas this one, right at the start, it had big massive letters just saying edited for television. What channel um, was it taped off then? If I if it had that BBC one. All oh, right. Oh, it, it was the golden sort of thing to have at the um, back in the days. If you had a film taped off BBC, it meant that it had yeah. no adverts. Yeah. You didn't have to fast forward through them. Yeah. Creme de la creme, that was. What about you, Prog? Well, this is a first for me. I have no recollection whatsoever of watching this film when I was younger, nor do I know when... It was the first time I watched it. Genuinely can't tell you anything about this film in my younger days. Do you think you've always sort of been aware of it, though? Um, or, or has it ever been the case, do you think, that you get them mixed up, like one and two mixed up or something? Uh, no, I, I've, never, I've never got one and two mixed up. But yes, I've always been aware of it. I mean, you can't grow up and not in the time that we did and not know where Eddie Murphy was, mm. just because he he was one of the biggest stars in the world, wasn't he? I mean, how many people were bigger than him at the time? Michael Jackson, Madonna. I can't think of anyone acting really who was bigger. Mm. And, and also that this film came out in that golden year of films, which I always refer to, nineteen eighty four. And I I still stand. You know, tall year saying that I think it's the best year for films that, that we had growing up. Yeah, I, you know, I'm sure we could get into that one day about if there is any year better than it. But I, I can't sit here and say that this film means a lot to me. That's not to say I don't like the film or I don't enjoy the film. I do. Uh, but if I were to pick an Eddie Murphy film that meant something to me, it'd be coming to America. And and that's that's a good point actually because for me whenever I think Eddie Murphy the first film that would come into mind would be this or Beverly Hills Cop two it would you know definitely be the Beverly Hills Cop franchise let's put it that way yeah and, and you know because he is a um uh, he is known for his comedy so and you know okay this this film is lighthearted in points but it, it you know it's not an action comedy by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, they try and make. They, they, I'm sure we'll get into the background of the film at some point, but uh, there are some action sequences that have been. I think they're left over and they from a previous incarnation of what the film was supposed to have been. Yeah, and hmm. no doubt we'll come into that as well. All right, let, let's move on to then the first topic that we not often talk about, and that's favorite aspect. Um, I'll jump in if you if you don't mind, and I I've got. Three points, and um, well, I'll start with the first one, and it's Eddie Murphy. And he um, improvised a lot of lines in the film, and I think that works well. Um, there's definitely a couple of points where I I think I've identified where he's done something, and others have acted uh, sort of play off him. Oh, um, God, yeah, there are definitely a couple like when he's. Um, no, like um, the people have uh, gone to take his car. Like, what are they called? Are they called bellhops? No, they're not bellhops. You get them in uh, hotels. 
But like you know, there's a couple of those. Oh, the valley. Scenes. Valley, that's it. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple of those scenes which um, he's just thrown in a little line there, and, and I sort of seen them like, oh, oh yes, sir, or whatever we react. So. Well, there's there's one scene in particular that you can tell that he's ad libbing, and his co-stars can't control themselves, and it's when he's giving the super cop speech. <laughs> if, if, when he's got his arms round. Target and Rosewood, you can see John Ashton, mm. who plays John Target, he's actually got his head bowed and he's got his hand over his mouth and nose, mm. trying to pretend that he's grimacing, but what he's actually doing is trying to stop himself from laughing. Yeah. <laughs> but look, he brings a certain energy, doesn't he, to his mm. to the performance. For me, I, I think it's it's Typical Eddie Murphy, quick delivery um, to a certain degree, right? And you might shoot me down a little bit on this, but Tommy Lee Jones does it, and we've discussed it in another podcast where it's that quick delivery, and it's, mm. it's and it's just delivered really well. And I, yeah, I just sort of, I no, I I get where you're coming from with the similarities. It, it, you know, you're just talking about rapid fire. Delivery and you know, it's selling the character, isn't it? Yeah, no, no definitely, hmm. definitely. Um, I'm going to jump off the back of you, but it's Eddie Murphy for me. The bit, the favorite, my favorite thing about this film. I, if he weren't in it, I don't think this film would be. It wouldn't be the same film. It wouldn't be anywhere near as successful. I think without Eddie Murphy, you don't have this film. Well, hmm. and we may as well touch on it now, but originally. A number of people were going to be in this film, right? Mickey Rourke was originally going to be in the film, and he was paid £400,000 as a retainer. And yeah. it wasn't until that contract, so, or a holding contract, I think it was, and it wasn't until that expired that they then moved on. It was going to become a Sylvester Stallone film, and it, it never went anywhere there, simply because Stallone wanted it to be something that the current script wasn't. Um, and they ended up taking the the chunks of it that um, Sylvester Stallone wanted, and, and made Cobra. You know, yeah. he wanted to change the character's name to um, Axel Corbetti or whatever. Corbetti. Yeah. Um, and then it ends up being Marion Corbetti or whatever, however you say it. Um, <laughs> there's there's also a story out there that the tipping point was that they put the wrong type of orange juice in Sylvester Sloan's um, trailer, whatever. Um, and that was the tipping point. And he was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this film anymore. I, I don't know how true that is. I don't yeah. know if that's in the writing process or if they actually did start any sort of filming. God knows, I, I don't know. And I don't know, that's urban uh, legend. But again, you put both of them in there and it's a completely different film. As yeah, is yeah. evidenced by Cobra. Yeah, and look, you you know me. I'm a I, I do love a sly film, but Cobra is not a um, Sylvester Stallone's greatest film by any stretch of the imagination. I, I'd be surprised if we didn't do that film one day. <laughs> I I didn't see that until quite later in life, and um, I was disappointed. Are you are you saying that we're more like uh, we're closer to doing Over the Top than Cobra? Oh, over the top, brilliant <laughs> compared to Cobra. <laughs> Brilliant, and that's a bad film. Yeah, but, um, yeah no, I love that one. 
Um, the, the other thing I was going to mention was the score and the soundtrack. Mm. It's brilliant. And, right, you've got to erase Crazy Frog from your memory, right? Well, thankfully, was... we watched it before Crazy Frog oh, came out, yeah. so we know it, where it, the original yeah. song comes from. Because that ruined the actual elf theme, right? Ru- it uh, ruined it for generations to come. But it's brilliant. The actual F theme, and once you get past the... Um, dun, 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 and then it goes into... It's the more low-key moments of the song that I prefer. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And and then the other thing is, um, is the actual soundtrack itself from the Pointer Sisters. And I owned mm. this in university on CD, and I I, I loved it. Anyway, because ultimately they're all seventies, late seventies, early eighties songs. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, but it's it's for me. I I think it's a cracking soundtrack. Can I just give a shout out to my boy Danny Elf? Man, he's got a song on the soundtrack. Is he really? Yeah. Is he? <laughs> Um, oh, I'd have to look back at that one then. It's like every podcast we have to mention, Danny Elfman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Ev, have you got any before I? Oh, one? No, you, you've touched, you've touched on both of mine. Um, Eddie Murphy and the soundtrack. Um, yeah, not just the Pointless Sisters, we got Glenn Frey with the heaters on, mm. um, and um, Patty the Bell with uh, oh, Stir It Up, I think it's called. The song where he's in his car in Beverly Hills. Can I give a shout out to some of the other cast members? Because I do, I do like a lot of the of the actors involved. Uh, in particular, Judd Reinald, John Ashton as Rosewood and Target. Yeah. Well, that that was going to be my final um, favorite aspect. I think as a duo, they're brilliant. Yeah. I think they then develop as characters in the next film. So mm. it, it's great that they're they're, they're there. Um, but I think they're brilliant. You know. A favourite of the podcast, Ronnie Cox. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, Andrew Ronnie Cox. Love a bit of uh, love a bit of Cox. Uh, what's, what's his name in it? Bogomil. And, Andrew Bogomil, Lieutenant Bogomil. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul Reiser, who I, I like. Uh, he plays uh, Axel's. <laughs> oh, Jeffrey. You yeah. know, yeah, Jeff uh, Axel's sort of like uh, doting. I don't know why you would class yeah. him as. Really. I don't know if he's a partner or what, but he's not. Yeah, not he's... a partner. He just seems to follow Axel around, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. uh, but one person I did want to say about was uh, Gilbert R. Hill as Inspector Douglas Todd. So, am I right in thinking that he's not an actor? Or are you? Well, he was originally. I think he was like a a police officer, and like he was doing other things as well as acting. Yeah, and that's what that's what I was led to believe that he wasn't necessarily a full time actor, but they they cast him because of what he brought to the to, to the role or what they could. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was authentic, wasn't he? And I will say, every time he's on screen, he's magnetic. I'm like you're watching that scene for him. Yeah. I I'm I'm not saying that he outshines Eddie Murphy, right? But because it's an Eddie Murphy film, when someone else is in a scene with Eddie Murphy and they're almost at Eddie's level, I tend to notice them. Mm-hmm. And I think with someone like uh, Gil, Gil Hill, it's, you know, in Beverly Hills Cop, 
is, is prominent. You know, every time he's on screen, I, I I end up watching the scene for him. Um, there's a couple of other people in the film which um, they're not my favorite aspect or anything, but because um, we're doing a lot of these films recently, they're, they're starting to pop up, and I'm starting to recognize sort of bit characters I know from other films. This. So the, the guy from Total Recall, so he's one of the henchmen for yeah. who's the bad guy in this? What's his name? Oh, Victor Maitland. So he's one of the henchmen for him, but he's in Total Recall, and he's the guy who's got the tracker going after Arnie's character. Yes, yeah. Um, And I said at the time, I think in the Total Recall podcast, that I thought he looked a little bit out of place. Um, I I can't remember what I said. We'll have to look, go back and look at it, but um, or listen to it. But um, yeah, anyway, he's in there, and then the the other henchman is the guy who's from Breaking Bad. Hmm. But yeah. He's got no yeah. In Breaking Bad. Mike, his name is, I think, in Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's yeah. Jonathan Mike. Banks. Yeah. Damon Wayans is almost all, also in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As the banana man. <laughs> Go ahead, take those bananas. Yeah, take yeah. Those bananas. And also, I, I genuinely thought you were going to bring this up, man. But Surge. Surge. The Surge. <laughs> Surge. Get the hell out of here. No, I cannot. <laughs> he comes back, doesn't he? Did he come back in one of the other films? Uh, number three. Three, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love, yeah, I love, I love the bit where he, where he's telling the, um, he's telling the other bloke to, to tell Jenny that that uh, Axel's here, and he goes, Don, Donny, what is this? You, you scrub the chest. It's, it's not sexy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's not sexy. Achmel, Achwell, yeah, can't <laughs> Achmel for the <laughs> for, for such a small character part. Uh, again, I just found myself chuckling through it. I think that's what this film is quite good at with the small characters. They they do mm. make an impression. Even Jenny, to a certain degree, is okay. Yeah, it, it, I mean, uh... she's. I, I will say I'm not. I don't know if it's her or the character. I mean, it's a bit flat. But you got to consider now she's playing opposite Eddie Murphy, and it's in comparison with some of the characters we've just spoken about. Uh, and you know, there the, the needed to be that connection, didn't it? Otherwise, he goes to Beverly Hills, and who does he go to because he doesn't know anyone? So I, yeah. I get why mm. she's there. Um, yeah, mm. I, I didn't mind that part. When I first wa- first watched this film, I think I I always wanted to be to be Eddie Murphy in this film just just because he he looks and acts so cool like like at the start when the when he's he's in the back of the the cigarettes uh, truck and he's fly he's flying outside and he's hanging on to chains and stuff like that it's like oh and and when he when he's in the house at the end and he's doing all the forward rolls and shooting all the bad guys. It's like, oh, how cool are you? It's great. <laughs> I, I, we'll move on to favourite scene, right? And it's not my favourite scene by any stretch of my imagination, but I do love the little bits of comedy that come through. Um, and, you know, we were just talking about whether it's an action comedy, but the little bits of comedy that come through on quite serious bits. So, mm-hmm. really good example. The house scene right at the end. Um, those... Uh, no, what's his name? Taggart comes over the wall, flops down onto the floor, and then all of a sudden starts getting shot at. But Eddie mm. Murphy d- does that sort of Eddie Murphy laugh, doesn't he? Like, oh, oh. Yeah, do you, do you not think that's 
a little misplaced. It, 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 it's 100% misplaced. I, I, but I do find myself chuckling at it. it yeah, it, so, so you're laughing because of Eddie Murphy, not because of the situation. Because that situation is not funny. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I think it's, maybe I am laughing because it's out of place. Because mm. you are right. It's, it's the time of the film to be really serious where they should be you know, really concentrating, I suppose, on, on the on the action sequences, mm. not, not not the fact that um, Rosewood I, can't get over the word, not um, Rosewood, um, Tiger can't get over the wall. Yeah, but when I do, I do find Rosewood and Tiger trying to lift themselves or jimmy each other over the wall. That little sequence is funny. Because they're not in any th- they're not in any threat or danger at that particular point, do they? They're out of the way, so that can be funny. But when he lands on the ground and suddenly there's like five men shooting at him, and Eddie Murphy laugh or Axel Foley, I should say, laughs. Yeah. I don't think that's meant to be funny, is it? <laughs> uh, it's a typical eighties film, right? Where um, all the bad guys are shit at the. Um... <laughs> But uh, I'll get on to it. I'll it, get on to it. it, yeah. it it's the A team sort of conundrum or scenario, oh. isn't it? That no bad guy can, or, or saying that in the A team, no bloody good guy either can seem to hit anyone. No one, sh- none of the bad. You'd think with all the weapons they got, they would have had training. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, thought was, I thought we were supposed to be talking about favourite scenes. I've got one. Go on, then. Yeah. Uh, right, so I'll bypass any scene with Axel and Inspector Todd. I've already mentioned that, right? But my favourite scene is when Axel checks into the hotel. Yeah, good scene. It's, it's almost like you're will you're willing him to give to give the hotel receptionist who's a little bit snooty, just like just both barrels and and. But she is doing her job. She yeah, she is. Yeah. I, that's why um, I like. That's why I like it, because it's played for laughs. It's a perfect example of not only Axel as a character, but Eddie Murphy's comedy and ability to improvise, you could say, with what, what he's got to do. But also, you do feel a little bit sorry. I do personally feel a little bit sorry for her, because he's blagging it. We know he's blagging it. And mm. she's like doing her job, and it's like we haven't got a reservation. But then he's starting to kick off, and you're waiting for him to play the race card, and you? <laughs> you're waiting for it, but it's done in a way that is funny, mm. especially when he brings in um, Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah, I'm doing an interview with Michael Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> you can call up Michael Jackson and say that but I can't make it. My favorite part of that scene is when the manager comes in. And says we can we can give you a room, uh, we can give it to you half price. Tells Axel the cost, and he almost does a stone yeah. face for a second, as if he's like half price, and that's the cost. <laughs> if Michael call, tell him what room I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we've mentioned one of my favourite scenes already, and it's Serge. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that one I, I I do really like. And we won't go into too much more on that. I, I do like the little montages you have as well, and I think they're classed as a montage. So when he first gets into Beverly Hills and he's driving around and he sees all mm. the sights, yeah. But you also have one right at the very beginning. You have downtown Detroit, 
And by contrast, that to Beverly Hills, yeah, it is a massive contrast there. Um, and but what I suppose because it's a typical montage, you, you've got really good music over it as well. I love a montage, but I think we're all in the of the same opinion. We yeah. love a montage, so. <laughs> but you know, you get that bit where he's walking down the street and those two guys in black and red leather walk yeah. past him. Well, they're Michael so Jackson laughing. outfits, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, that sort of typical Eddie Murphy laugh with it. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got a thing about about that when he how he's it's implied that he drives from. Detroit to Beverly Hills because obviously he's, st- he's still in the same car that he's got in Detroit. I, wor- I worked this out last night when I was watching it. It's it's two thousand three hundred miles approximately from Detroit to Beverly Hills. So and there was a travel time of thirty six hours, and that's with a that's with a decent car. He's driving that piece of shit which can't even which the handbrake doesn't even work properly. Um, because at, at the start he has to he has to make sure the car stops properly. Just saying, how long? Chevy Nova. But he doesn't say yeah. how much time he has off, does he? Uh, no, that's that's no, a good I point. Get, I get yeah. where you where you were coming from. If he's driving the same car at the start of the trip to the end of the trip, it must mean that he's driven there. Yeah, percent. If he's had, if he's got two weeks off, he's pro- he's probably like taking a couple of days to get down there. He's got a week down. Yeah. He's got a week with in Beverly Hills, and then he's a couple of days going so, back. Well, it only, t- it only takes him like two, three days to solve the case, doesn't it? When he's down yeah. there, he is like the best detective ever. He, yeah, he's straight on it, isn't he? <laughs> well, and he definitely learns from his experience because I think in the second one he flies, doesn't he? So is the second one when Bogomil yeah. um, is he's been gunned down? Yeah, Bogomil, yeah, yeah. And then in that one, he meets. Um, his daughter, doesn't he? Bogomil's daughter. Yeah. yeah. And that's the alphabet murders. Yeah. Yeah. With Bridget Nielsen. Yep. Yeah, that's a decent film, that one is. I, um, it is a decent not, film, yeah. I wouldn't mind doing that one again. Yeah, well, mm. watching that again for the podcast. Um, any more mm. favourite scenes? Yeah, i got um, the, the strip club scene. Mm. I, just, I, just, uh, I just find really good it's very, like ju- just from the start where he's like he's dancing in his seat and, he, and it's like yeah you're, 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 my dick can get hard <laughs> it's supposed to get hard he, he's, he's can't because he's the boss dick's got to stay limp um, but, but then when he when he um, when he goes into serious mode about the two the, the two robbers who, who come in um, you know it's, it's quite good that he's actually gaining trust with it with you know, with Taggart and Rosewood, um, but instantly when he cha- when he puts on the drunk act, oh, that cracks me up every time. Phil, I thought that was you, man. Oh, Phil. Yeah. Oh, I, lo- I love it. No, yeah. it is a good scene, and it wouldn't be an eighties film without a topless lady at some point in the film. N- normally within the topless bar, anyway. Is it as good as the second film though? Where. Axel says that he's with the ex-president of the United States. <laughs> yeah, Gerald, Gerald, Gerald Forrest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'm on about. Yeah, I do think Rosewood and Taggart are more developed in the next film. Because yeah. in the next film as well, they have a bit of um, homage to Sylvester Stallone because they, um, Rosewood has got a, a poster. Let me get this right. Of Cobra and I believe Rambo. 
Right. Okay. Mm. On his walls. So do you know when they go back to his house and and um, they find out that Billy's got loads of guns. Well, he's he's also got a turtle as well, hasn't he? Right. Well, yeah. Well, they do that thing, don't they? Where they um, the fingerprint comes out. Yeah, yeah. And, um, mm. the, the super glue and things. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's a bit of a because Billy in this one is. He's quite a one-dimensional character. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. say he's a, bit he's a bit, yeah. Oh, actually, that's a better way of putting it. I'd go on. Bit naive, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very yeah. naive. And I put money on it. Like, that's probably the first time he shot his gun in the line of duty and things. Mm. Especially at someone and killed someone, anyway. Yeah. I'll give one more shout-out yeah. to the super cop scene as well. I do, I do the super cop speech. Yeah. I, do, I do like that scene. I also quite like the ending... Uh, insofar as Bogomil lying to mm. his superiors and like making up this series of events that led them to the shootout to cover for Axel and his and his officers, I quite like that little thing because obviously the superior turns to the other to uh, is it to the sergeant to to target and he just says yeah that's exactly how it happened and so on, and, but the 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 chief almost seems to know that they're all lying. Yeah. yeah. Um, if we move on to changes, the chief is probably my one change. Right. I, um, I don't know if it's the character, the way the character is portrayed, or the uh, the person playing them. Just don't think it's very believable. I don't know what you guys think of that. It's just just seems to be thrown in there. I don't know if it's yeah. a last minute sort of thing. I didn't have a particular problem with him compared to other things, but yeah, um, I, yeah. I just think the rest of the film, some you know, a lot of the characters are better developed, let's put it that way. And then it's just him. But I do know that the the script was changed quite a lot, and it was changed at short notice as well. So because there's one scene with Todd, and he's you see him physically, he's in the background physically holding a script. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I, I haven't noticed that. It's, it's physically within, um, you know, other people have, have reviewed it and found out that that's the case. He's physically uh, holding the script. So it sounds, it sounds like your issues with um, Chief Hubbard, I think his name is. They mirror my issues with Jenny, insofar as they, they, they're just flat characters. They, they don't seem to go anywhere. Or and I, and again, it comes back to the fact. That, along with Axel Foley, there are other like impactful or loud characters as they were, but some of the others are going to seem inferior or they are going to seem to struggle. I think you can't have everyone on eleven. Maybe it's that. I just felt that he was a bit flat. You you know he came in and he's just like, is this the guy? And yeah, it, maybe he's supposed to be understated. But yeah. comes with a lot of like power and control over people. But it's like I said, it's understated. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I, I just would have maybe preferred someone who was a little bit more, I don't know, shouty or more developed. I, I don't know. I don't. Know. Come on, then. What are the changes? I've got a. I've got. I've got a couple. Of, a couple of points. Um, just to bring up, not not so much changes, but just general things, really. Um, Stephen. Um, Stephen Birkhoff, the guy who plays Victor Maitland. Yeah, I've. I, I quite like him just just for the fact that he's that he, there's a little bit of menace behind him, like especially when he's in the when he's in the Harold Club and he's just 
he's like good talking all posh and then all of a sudden you just go you haven't the slightest fucking idea who you're dealing with and it's like you know uh, yeah, I, I I quite like him, but I don't like his character. No, I I think I don't think he's a very good villain. Mm. Like but, I don't I don't get the sense that that Axel's in any sort of danger until he goes on, until he goes to the house at the end. Yeah, I get what you mm. mean with that actually, and I hadn't really thought about it, but. I don't know if it's demonstrated enough that his menace... Yes, they kill the guy who was mm. his best friend at the beginning. Mm. You don't get anything else between that and then the end of the film, and he's got his own army who are willing to die for him. That yeah, sense. I mean, I've got a, I've got a question mm. about how they actually track down Axel's friend. But, you know, I suppose... In terms of the plot, you're just looking for a way to get Axel Foley to Beverly Hills on him. So, yeah. um, how, how they find Mikey, I'll never know. But uh, yeah, I, I had Maitland written down as one of my issues, or not issue, but you know, I, I'm not saying, like I said, I, I'd quite like Stephen Burkoff as Maitland. I don't think the character is necessarily bad. I just don't, I just don't feel any sort of sense of danger with him. I always remember him from. Um... The Heineken Cup, um, for well, for the for the listeners who who aren't familiar for that, it's the the European Rugby Championship as such. Um, he did he did adverts for um for the Heineken Cup. I remember. That's um, what you remember him from. Yeah, apart from this <laughs> film, apart from this film, no, I haven't seen what anything else. What about Bond? What? Is he not? I can't remember that. I've, I think I've only seen it Octopussy about once. I think. Well, we, that's um, the film we need to do then, isn't it? Yeah. And also, also a couple, couple more things before, before I'm done. Um, when, when, Ax, when Axel's on a stakeout outside Victor's house and, he, and he's, going to, um, he's going to follow him, parked across the road from Victor Maitland's house is a DeLorean. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you, if you oh, look, it's more Back to the Future, though, isn't it? So they were, yeah, yeah, DeLorean Motor Company. Yeah, it's um, yeah, full, full, prop, same color and everything. It's parked, parked literally across the road from his house. So you got, you got an issue with that, is it? No, 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 no. That, I'm sorry, right. That's just a, just a point I want to make. <laughs> my, I've only got one issue, and my issue is the size of Axel Foley's gun. It's too small. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I, you know, is all these all these people like have got big, massive like. Massive pump action shotguns and Uzis, and you know, even Victor Maitland's got like you know, a, you know, a, a magnum, what looks like a magnum. Um, he's got this little shitty, almost like a water pistol type gun. Him and Billy have got, I'm pretty sure they the changed that for the second one. Okay, I, I'm oh. pretty, if I remember right, I'm pretty sure he's got a different yeah. gun in the second one. Oh, okay, yeah, but it's um, just too small. So I, I've got one other issue, aside from Maitland and Jenny. It's the chase scene at the start. I think I've just said it before about my issue with car chases and chase scenes. I'm not a big fan of them. Mm. Uh, that's not to say I dislike all chases, but I just think with this one, it's a bit... I don't need it. I think we can get into the film earlier. You must have spent a lot of money on that, man, considering the amount of cars that they, that they crashed into. Yeah, do you know what I think that is? I reckon that's a leftover from one of the original scripts. It's um, 
Yeah, well, it's it's the way to introduce him, isn't it, as a character? Yeah, but you can, you can have him doing the haggle with that guy. Yeah, I just don't think the chase scene is needed. Do you think the chase scene is as good as it could be? Because it's a like a double truck, um, and it, it just turns for no reason. So I was wondering, like, whether the, the driver was losing control, but he's going down a straight road, and he's all over the place. So I, I was, right, I read, it was I, like I, short circuit all over again. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing, right? So Axel, Axel brings the cigarettes, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and then there's two guys, two bad guys. Let's call them that, buying the cigarettes off them. Yeah. So the one guy gets in the truck and starts driving away, or he's already in the truck and he's about to drive away. So I, I was just a bit confused by all that. Like, so did Axel bring bring that truck originally, and then the other one was going to drive it away, or or what? No, I think Axel. The truck is brought by Axel in there. He's the one that's selling the cigarettes. Yeah. Well, I get that. It's just the fact that the other guy was in the van ready to go. I, I don't. It, finally, then, we always discuss, would you recommend the film? I'll go first. Yes, I would. And there's very much, there's not much I would change about the film, personally. I know there's a couple of things that we've, we've suggested on this uh, podcast, but for me, it can stay as it is, even with those things, small mm. things in for me. It, I, I'd happily recommend it. I think it still holds up relatively well today. I would recommend it as well. I think it's a enjoyable film. I think it's a really good vehicle for Eddie Murphy as well. I and I mentioned it before on uh, another one of our podcasts that sometimes with a comedian, it's difficult to find a good vehicle for them to showcase not just their comedy talents, but I think it's it's fair that a lot of the comedians are good actors as well. And I think Eddie Murphy has been quite fortunate. He's not, I don't think he's had the success in films that he could have had, but I think he's been more fortunate than others with some of the films he's done. I think his earlier films were definitely better than probably his later films. Oh, God, um, yeah. Mm. You know, in terms of rewatchable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I, I, I can reel off a couple now, right, that aren't good films and you wouldn't rewatch them. Um, Pluto Nash, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what's the other one? Is it Norbit? Norbit, mm. not great. But then you know you've got Beverly Hills Cop, um, and he did he did three of them, and the third one's all right. You know it's 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 a decent watchable film. It, no, it is. It, it's That's a stretch, isn't it? It's a stretch. I'll give you the three. I'll give you two out. Of th- as Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But then you know you you've got things like coming to America. You know you definitely his early stuff was really good. Trading places. Yeah, yeah. He's um, he's forty-eight he's hours. Yeah, another mm. forty-eight hours. Maybe not so good. But he's he's good as um in his voiceover work. Yeah, you know, oh, there's um, yeah, there's a film called Harlem Nights. I think with Richard Pryor. Well, there's one there's one Eddie Murphy film that I don't think people in the UK have seen but should see and it's 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 called Boomerang. Oh I've seen that. Yeah. It's, that's very good. I think that's actually probably his most underrated film. Is that newer or older or oh, it's ninety two. 
Okay. Yeah. I have. I have never seen it. Good film that is. Ev, what about you? Yeah, I'd I'd recommend it. Yeah, I think it, it's just just for. Murphy's dialogue more than anything, but uh, like he's always got it's, there's so many good um, good vocal parts in it, like the like the one right at the end where the where Target and Rosewood Art are picking up the the bill for the hotel for the hotel room, and, and he um and he says oh I'm gonna get you a present and he t- and he gets like two robes but then he says puts them on puts them on my tab but then they're paying for them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Though. Yeah, but no, I'd recommend it. Right, so a couple of things for me before we wrap up. Um, I always do the budget and things. It was a thirteen million dollar budget. Returned three hundred sixteen million. Mm. Big, big bucks. Almost. Thir- well, no, I can't even work that out. Was that times thirty? Almost. Yeah. Uh, times twenty five, maybe. Um. Martin Scorsese, Scorsese, get my words out, were, was the first choice to direct, but he turned it down. Yeah, he saw the script and said he didn't know what he was going, what he would do with it. And then Martin Brest, who did direct it, repeatedly refused to direct it. He did some I, good films. Yeah, no, he did. Back in the day, he did definitely. Did. <laughs> like for me, right, this is a typical eighties film. It has vi- um, mild violence. <laughs> it has colourful language. Yeah, especially that one scene where I think at the time it held the record for the most number of f bombs in a minute. I think it's, it's the bit where he gets thrown through the window. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think it was something like, don't quote me on this, but like twenty-one f bombs within a minute or something like that. <laughs> um. So yeah, like a colourful language, my um violence, and then as we said earlier. There's always someone topless in an 80s film, for whatever reason. So anyway, let's call it a day. The podcast come out every Wednesday. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Hit us up if you wanted us to do a certain 80s, 90s, 70s, 2000s film. You know, if if, it, if we watched it when we were younger, we'd love to do it. Um, and then don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well for more video content. Okay, cheers all. <laughs>